Welcome to today's show. Now I've got a very, very special guest because I haven't seen him for about a year. And I was just thinking today, I'm sitting in Cape Town and it's first Thursday. And about a year ago, I had way too much brandy and coke on tap. Can you remember that, Jonas? Yes. <laughs> Welcome to Cape Town. <laughs> yes, and it's been a busy year. Yeah, with me is Johannes. Um, a young, very clever entrepreneur. Johannes is the founder of Branas, and on a completely different note, the Duchess. Yes, it's, uh, it's quite the opposite product, yeah. uh, if you think about it. You know, Johannes, when I, I told you that I spoke to the Prince of Bavaria the other day, and he says there's only one other royal brewery in the world, and he mentioned some island in the Pacific, and then he says, wait, Prince Charles has just launched a brand. And guess what his beer is called? The Duchess. Yes. Sure. Well, we're going to have a struggle. We, we've, at least our trademarks have been put into the UK, so we might have a head-on-head with <laughs> Prince Charles. <laughs> so, although he might have more rights to it than yeah. we have. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, I mean, it's, it's kind of fitting for him, but it, it is interesting. I mean, if you have try to protect the brand, what sort of no, <laughs> steps no, no, have you no, taken? Definitely. So, um, well, at least we're in a non-alcoholic okay. so, uh, category, so uh, hopefully that, that <laughs> gets us um, off. But um, yeah, we've recently launched in the UK okay. uh, with the Duchess and um, we haven't had the Queen call yet. So, <laughs> so, so I think we're all right for now. <laughs> yeah. Just to put you guys in the picture, Johannes phoned me just over a year ago and said, I'm launching this product and I don't know what I'm doing in the retail. But before that, you, you, you quite successfully launched uh, Branas. Yes, yeah, so a bit of background on that. Uh, Branas Draft is now almost three years old. Three years um, already, okay. Two years and ten months. Yeah. Um, I had this crazy idea um, to launch um, the first... Um, brandy and coke on tap um, I, I had a lot of happy students and uh, people saying it's the best thing since sliced bread and and obviously after two two years and ten months I think I've had quite a lot of branas but also learned a lot uh, yeah. through 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 the process and it's not yeah. that easy to to launch brands and especially on on consumption brands yeah. Yeah, but tell me, I mean, what is your background? You st you weren't at Stellenbosch, like, it just feels Brunners belongs in Stellenbosch? No, I was actually, I studied, uh, I went to school in Cape Town at Jan, okay. Jan van der Riebeck, and I studied at UCT, okay. property investment. Okay. Um, and in my second year at uh, property investment, it was 2008, and the property market globally <laughs> fell apart. So I think that was my uh, first kind of kick in the bum to realize that this isn't just going to come easy, and you need to um, uh, look for opportunities yourself. And I've always been quite entrepreneurial and liked ideas. So I decided to join an a startup advertising firm. Um, they gave me a few episodes of Mad Men and that's how I learned what advertising was <laughs> and kind of self-taught and we built that agency up um, to almost 15 people in the end and um, I decided it was time for my own first product and um, yeah, I kind of went through the notebook and, and I had this idea for 
for Brana's draft, which is uh, yeah, Brandy and Kirk on top. Mm. And, and and to pull that off, I mean, I think for me it would be easy because I've got a network. But if you're starting from scratch, you don't know who makes Brandy. Maybe you've heard Clippies and and KWV, but. How do you start something like that? No, you, you're correct. Uh, with quite a lot of determination, I must yeah. tell you. Also, the brandy in a, a way was easier than the Coke, because uh. at first I thought I was just going to buy Coca-Cola, and um, of course, when they said no, uh, I went to Pepsi, and then I went to Bashus, and then they, the, the, eventually they're like, "But why don't you just go to a flavoring house and get <laughs> your own cola?" And I'd never heard of that concept. Yeah. Um, so at least they put me in touch with the flavoring house, and I, we designed our own cola. And um, I think it was about 15 phone calls uh, later, I got to uh, somebody that was willing to sell me bulk brandy. Um, and then, of course, uh, six months later, um, we we changed over to KWV. Okay, so you didn't start off with KWV. No, we didn't start with KWV. <laughs> yeah, we actually had our... At a brandy, you were, you mentioned Odom Willen, so we yeah. bought brandy from <laughs> Odom Willen uh, originally, and then yeah, when KWV bought in, um, we switched over to to the to our own blend of KWV three year. Okay, but you you say that so easily when KWV bought in that not every Oki can do that. But you, how did how did you get convinced KWV to invest in your your well, brand. It was definitely easier um, the fact that they called us. So uh, we had the we had the upper ground. I think at that time, especially three years ago, it was a very grim outlook for brandy. <laughs> I, I hear it's going better now this year. Um, very grim. I think especially the the bigger brandy brands had lost touch with um, with the the younger market. People saw it as an old man's drink, and here we came and we actually made brandy cool and hip yeah. again. And uh, the marketing guy saw that, and um, I think the first meeting I went to, I went in like my pluckies, and mm. uh, they were expecting a presentation. And all I did is I showed them a, a, a video of our launch party and said, "Do you want to be part of this or not?" Type of thing. So very cocky and upfront, but uh, yeah, in the end, um, uh, we kind of realized that there's wins for both sides. They connected to. A young, youthful brand, and obviously we get access to um, to to their uh, more authentic and, and established brand, but also to uh, the millions of liters of brandy they've got in storage. <laughs> so you didn't. <laughs> so okay. yeah, so it ended up being a good a good uh, yeah. uh, partnership so far. Okay, and they still invested. Is that a separate business, or how does it work? Yeah, so that's a completely separate business. So Brana's draft uh, is completely separate to Duchess. Mm. Um, yes. And and you you launched uh, in bottles recently. Yes. So Brana's uh, launched in four forty more bottles. We actually uh, have just developed um, a sugar-free brana so okay. it would be the first uh, sugar-free ready-to-drink brandy and coke on the market so i'm quite excited to see what that does and um, yeah i think what's been great is obviously everything that i learned from branas i was able to use uh, when launching duchess and yeah. then everything i'd learned from the retail side of Duchess, I'm not able to, again, put back into into Branas. Except that uh, the profile isn't, doesn't match, so 
exactly yeah it's just a completely different uh, market but at yeah. least it's some of the same suppliers yeah. and the bottlers and the distributors yeah. and things yeah and the success of the bottles compared to the draft how's the response been um, I must say so initially it was uh, better because it, it's obviously something um, that I think is a bit of a niche product. We yeah. actually position, and you shouldn't don't laugh at me, but we position Branas as a craft brandy and coke. Yeah. And that's actually in a, a sense what it is because it's okay to drink Branas, but it's not necessarily okay to drink brandy and coke yeah. anymore for a lot of guys. Um, so I think our loyal on tap supporters mm. love the idea of being able to take it home and to be able to to have it with a bride home so it's been we've had a loyal uh, following through that uh, on the bottles but the tap is still still bigger sales mm. i think obviously just the uh, the fact that it's on tap still is the number one selling point. Yeah, and that red tap, you're still using that red tap? Um, we still have a lot of them, yeah. Uh, so if it's not on a bigger tower. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I can, I can clearly remember the first time when I saw Brunners in Stellenbosch in that pizza shop, I don't know what it was called, and I saw that red tap, I knew. I had to buy one, even though I don't drink brandy and coke, and it... I mean, for me, it just felt like the right thing to do. Yeah, no, it is, it's been a fantastic journey. And um, like I said, uh, obviously learned a lot. And, yeah. um, I think, uh, yeah, and it's, it's brought us to where we are now. I think we've got a lot of ideas still for Branos going, going forward and um, um, possibility of even some brand extensions. There's a lot mm. of movement in the craft spirit scene, and we're trying to to utilize the IP that we've built up, not yeah. to just think about Branas as one product, but to think of it as a uh, innovative spirit company. And um, so, yeah, you might be you might see um, some more brandy or spirit products coming from Branas okay. over the next few years. And the and the change of ownership at KWV has always it like are you on a different level? Um, yeah, I don't think it's been too. So we've been. Uh, it's been good that we're working with the same people that we worked yeah. with before. Um, I think obviously their focus has changed a little bit. Uh, we're still uh, still a blimp on their radar, <laughs> but um, yeah, we haven't had any problems with mm. it. Um, and yeah, KWV have been supportive throughout, so yeah. we're happy with that partnership. And that, I mean, other brandy things, do you monitor the brandy market to me, like the launch of Para? Has it, have you picked up anything interesting there? I think, um, as I was saying about the craft brandy and Coke market, um, or concept even, I think things like the Para branding launching is only good for, for us because it showcases that uh, there is an independent um, scene for brandy, yeah. so very much the same as SAB ruled the beer scene. Yeah. We can now see that the independent guys um, coming into the, the spirit scene and, and people like the option uh, yeah, to try new things. Um, I, I, I love the Paro Brandy branding and everything and Marvo who does the branding has also helped a lot with our okay. design, so there is a lot of correlation. Yeah. Okay, um, and and then you you started this Duchess. Where did that idea come from? So, um, when KWB came on board, um, we had a plan set out, and they started helping us um, um, with scaling. And um, I basically looked into. I decided, well, let me go. Um, 
let me go look for what's what's next. Like mm. I had a, an idea for a new challenge, Baranas was going on track, on plan, and um, I decided to um, go to Europe and to go and look at what the next okay. drink trends are. Um, like and I go to Cape Town, you go to Europe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, exactly, and then. I actually went to go look for what the next alcoholic drink is yeah. going to be because I was That's in the alcoholic sector and then the one uh, thing that I realized when I was there besides the fact that gin is just 10 times bigger even in, in Holland Europe, than, yeah. uh, in Europe than even in South Africa uh, they literally have a gin menu at like you have a wine list they have mm. a gin menu at every single restaurant and um, besides that I actually realized that well looking for the next alcoholic drink might not be the right angle because people seem to be drinking less and less and mm. being talking about it and being conscious about it and uh, i just actually uh, thought well what if we plus the two together you get non-alcoholic beer but mm. why don't you get non-alcoholic gin and tonic and uh, yeah it seemed like a, a a great idea at the time and uh, it's one that stuck on my way back. I saw a lot of great new trends and ideas there, but that's the one that, that stuck. And when I got back, I went to my flavoring house and I said, well, <laughs> this is a crazy idea. Can you guys do it? And um, we started working on samples and uh, going through it. And I'm, after, I think, three or four, I was like, wow, there's something here. It tastes like a, a gin and tonic, but it has no alcohol, no sugar. And um, I was almost ready to just go and present it to my investors just like that. And then I realized that it still needed, I, uh, the gins were also at that time becoming more botanical and people were adding different things. It wasn't just a London dry, it, it had to be some was infused or mm. local angle to it. And I realized my, my aunt um, actually had been making these botanical extracts for, for years and uh, she'd been giving it to us for presents and we always used to drink it in gin and tonics and things and she uses cardamom and cloves and orange peel and all star and anise, star anise and uh, when I added that to the base product that I had, I mean it ju really just became a full product and it was rounded mm. and it gave you the body of a good gin and tonic and um, I think yeah that's when we decided great let's take this further. Mm -hmm. And the, and the design, I mean, the design is amazing. Yeah, so I'm very lucky to work with, um, I think, one of the best designers in, in South Africa, Ines um, Smuts, uh, who runs, is the co-founder of the Duchess. He has always been uh, able to kind of take my crazy ideas and make it look beautiful. Mm. So uh, I think there's still a long future for us because I have a lot of ideas and he's very good <laughs> at making things beautiful. But um, yeah, the idea behind the Duchess was to um, where we felt things were going more and more complex and people wanted to almost over-design to just take it back and, yeah. and go minimal and um, really make it an elegant drink because that actually leads me to the next part. So when we launched, we still thought, well, it's going to be quite a niche idea. I mean, mm. people might want to drink less or are health conscious or for religious or personal reasons, not drink. But we didn't realize that there was actually this big movement that they call uh, non-alcoholic adult beverages mm. uh, that was just starting and actually taking off across the world. And that there were actually a massive demand for uh, products that are for adults but aren't filled with sugar or 
uh, don't look like uh, kiddies soft drinks. Mm. So, so the look and the, the fact that it is a nice design, I would say is almost 50% of, uh, of the success of that chest yeah. is because when you hold it in your hand, you don't feel like you're having anything less um, than, um, and when you're in a social environment, um, we almost say it's kind of beyond alcohol. Yeah. Like, who cares about the alcohol? Exactly. It's like, it looks pretty, it tastes, it's sophisticated uh, taste, it's, it's for adults. So, yeah, I think it's been a, a big help to, to have good, good branding. Yeah, and I mean, my wife still sees it as a reward. If I give her a Duchess or buy her a six-pack or four-pack, you know, she's, it's a big reward because she's not allowed to buy it all the time. <laughs> That's amazing. So it's then definitely that, that uh, premium positioning yeah. of it is, is fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, the, the trade embraced it. I remember your launch was at the gin, the gin bar, wasn't it? In yes, the gin bar just around the corner from where, where we are here. Um, I remember the day actually myself and Ines went to go and do the sale um, uh, two or three weeks before the launch. We thought, well, if these guys say it tastes like gin and tonic, yeah. then like we're in. And they loved it so much, they actually said, well, why don't we do the launch there? And um, yeah, we still, they're still a great client of ours. Okay. And we, yeah, we launched uh, the Duchess at the, the secret gin bar. The secret gin bar, yeah. okay, which sounds like it's, I mean, they, they sound a little bit snobby and they probably choose which gin they stop. <laughs> Well, they they are very, I think, um, curated, uh, yeah. but I think not because of snobbiness, more more with their um, love of gin. I think yeah. um, so they, 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 they only do four cocktails, uh, all fantastic. Um, so yeah, I definitely recommend also having a look at the secret gin bar. Yeah, and what what is it? The journey. I mean, since you launched a year ago or so. You got into macro, you got into all the... Where else have you got into? I mean, that's... Yeah, so we are currently stocked at over 650 retailers in South Africa, which includes Checkers, okay. uh, Macro, Pick and Pay, Spa. Really? So tops. you got in, into all of them? So, so, yeah, we're in basically all the key accounts. Um, also, Holger actually put us in touch <laughs> with some of the best, the best distributors in South Africa, and mm. I think it's really been... Uh, key in the success to use local distributors um, uh, instead of just uh, one using national. one big national distributor and being able to type into their personal relationships. Mm. And then obviously, if you, it was the perfect timing. It was sort of September, it yeah. was just getting warm, um, and they just put everything behind it. And yeah, I think that's why um, that... First December, we sold 80,000 units in three weeks and sold out completely. And that was supposed to last <laughs> us for the whole summer. So we, we had to quickly recalculate. But um, yeah, we're looking, um, we're launching, we just launched in the, uh, the UK. We're looking to the US. Um, we're exporting to Zimbabwe and Namibia. Um, Namibia actually does very well. Really? Yeah, yeah. like 800 cases. Oh, okay. In the last, last many through spa or many through spa. through a distributor. Um, we've got a distributor that owns spas. Okay. Yes. And and how do you find it? How do you do 
the UK? I mean, do you just go to a show? Or? So the UK uh, has been an interesting um, process. We, myself and Ines, physically went there okay. to go and meet with distributors. And um, in the end, we were very lucky to be introduced to Love Drinks, which is a craft liquor distributor. And they only take on one brand per year, and they chose the Duchess as their brand of the year, which is fantastic. And um, yes, so we, it's been a massive learning curve uh, with regards to exports yeah. and, uh, and so forth, but uh, we're very excited to see what it, what it does. I think Duchess is quite, quite a seasonal product. We saw it now with our first winter. Um, but if you have obviously Northern Hemisphere and Southern Hemisphere, it's always summer. Well, or Durban and exactly. Kentucky. Although I don't know what's going on with Durban, guys. You, you don't like our Duchess. It's too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> it might be actually. We have to look into that. But yeah. I think just Durban has got a very loyal following, and it takes a bit more time to build that. Your your uh, your followers or fans. I, I don't think so. I mean, I, I can. I was just chatting to Ines and. Uh, I mean, we did one little Facebook post in, in one of the spas or topses that I work with, and the amount of response we got um, was unbelievable. For so Duchess. I, yeah, so I think it's it's probably, um, you know, connecting, finding the market, maybe. Yeah, no, I'd be, uh, I think we need to talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, because there's a, yeah, I mean, there's, it is a different market. Somebody once said to me, I think I told you a year ago, that you must, you must design and launch your product in Cape Town, test the price in Durban, and sell it in Joburg. <laughs> <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because we we are the discount, and uh, you know, from our our Indian heritage. <laughs> <laughs> no. yeah, we don't like to pay full price. So, do you have to redesign your label and uh, packaging for the UK, or can you just um, ship it like this? We yes. So back labels—that's a big thing to 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 know that for each single country, uh, the first thing you do go to a label lawyer and let them a label uh, lawyer a label <laughs> lawyer. Yeah, that's what they're called, food label lawyers, and get them to. And they're not cheap. I'm sure they're super expensive, uh, but it's the best thing to do. Uh, uh, up front so you don't um, and are there label lawyers in South Africa? Yeah there is actually a label lawyer in South Africa I think we get away with more than we mm. should actually but um, it is still important so we went to a label lawyer here also to get everything correct um, so we we have to change that and um, yeah but basically it all stays the same the only difference in the UK is we actually use a low sugar version because we we can't we're not allowed to use xylitol, which is a very interesting. It's good to note for other beverage entrepreneurs that xylitol is not allowed in the EU really? in beverages. Yeah. Oh, okay. And you weren't you didn't you weren't forced to take the Queen Mother off the front. <laughs> it's actually not the Queen Manor, it's actually our own uh, Duchess, but we might have to fight Charles for it, so let's see. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and you say you, you're doing something in the States? Um, there, it's still like uh, just That's a thought. Yeah. Okay. So and we actually um, looking at partners on that side probably next year. To export or to make the... Um, it's a big, big question, actually. Uh, at the moment, we would start by uh, exporting, mm. but um, 
Yeah, definitely as volumes grow to look at local production. Um, I think more uh, with regards to the time, shipping time, because um, the cost of shipping isn't that much, but the fact that your product is uh, uh, sort of on the water for eight weeks, that's yeah. a negative cash flow, which is quite difficult to, yeah. to keep. Yeah. To be honest, and when, when we met last year in, in Cape Town, um, it's definitely part of a new generation of entrepreneurs, and I, I just tell the listeners, so um, you, you take an Uber to your, your office, which is a, what do you call these, shared spaces kind of <laughs> thing, uh, you, you work out of a laptop, or with a laptop you don't have a physical kind of presence, everything's outsourced, and tell us a little bit about how you started that lifestyle, or is it just how, how this generation works? Yes, I think it's it's about being flexible. I think it's about, um, I think a lot of the times people think that uh, that it's uh, not as, or that the younger market or the younger entrepreneurs aren't putting in as much work as they used to put in. But I would actually go and say, the op- because you can operate from a laptop anywhere, mm. you can sit at a cafe and, and do your business. Uh, I think it's got the misconception of being easy, but... It, in actual fact, I think actually you need that amount of flexibility to be able to compete mm. uh, these days because um, you need to be truly innovative, completely yeah. in touch with consumers once. Uh, you need to be on the ground. You can't be in offices uh, away from your consumers. Um, you need to be able to build a brand uh, from the ground up. And um, yeah, it's been an interesting. So it, I think it's also been possible because of. Uh, especially in South Africa because of the craft beer mm. market and the craft beer scene. So there's been more opportunities for contract packing and mm. there's been more opportunities for um, for distribution for independent brands. And um, I can see it just moving in that way more and more. Mm. And imagine launching this without social media. Exactly. No, it's uh, being able to, to own your own space and, and social media and actually reach your fans at a at a price that, that a young brand can pay, yeah. I think has, has made a massive difference. Yeah, I was, I was interviewing and talking to the Parker and Quinn team uh, recently and I mean for them it was the same. I discovered them probably like I discovered you on social media and connected on social media and I mean and that's how I mean, she also admitted if it wasn't for social media, she'd probably still be only selling in Paul and maybe in Stellenbosch. Exactly. <laughs> if you think about what a uh, one print ad costs 30,000 yeah. rand and what you can get for that, you can probably reach a million people for yeah. 30,000 rand uh, on Facebook. And But we are continuously um, also looking uh, at integrating it more and um, I think you should be careful for just believing that Facebook is everything. Mm. Uh, we're very active with in-store tastings and mm. we're very active with, um, I, we just spoke about the possibility of doing much more CRM integrated mm. um, events and activations. And I think it is easy to, we've got a good product, it's easy to uh, launch a brand and to continue selling at a, um, a sort of a all right rate where it's a one-man show mm. type of idea and you, you're selling a few thousand liters a month but I think it's quite 
a different story if you want to scale it to that mid-level mm. uh, where you actually become a little bit competitive with the, the bigger name brands. Yeah, isn't there, there, somebody said good is the enemy of great. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what was your, what would you say is your, was the biggest challenge now in the last, in the launch of this product? I mean, um, you've, you've often mentioned CRM to me that there's no data and stuff like that. Yes, I think, well, actually we've been, we've been very lucky with good word of mouth and yeah. uh, the launch in South Africa, I think, um, uh, we, I couldn't have faulted that. It's been just mm. one major success. I think the biggest thing, and I mentioned it with the Xylitol, was that we did a soft launch in the UK with the Xylitol mm. version and only after signing our contracts with distributors and nobody realized uh, that the product had something in which was not permissible. Um, in the UK, we had to reformulate a low sugar version, um, which actually has uh, less calories than our xylitol version. So we might actually even introduce mm. it in South Africa at a later stage. Um, but we had to reformulate uh, within six weeks um, to be able to to still keep to our KPIs in in the UK. Uh, so I think that's been the biggest challenge and obviously learning curve for going forward. So speak to your label lawyers <laughs> up front. Yeah. And uh, you, you've you got a connection to to Holland or the Netherlands? Um, uh, yes. My grandmother is Dutch. Yeah. And uh, so I've been lucky to be able to get a Dutch passport through, through her. And I also spent uh, a year as an exchange student in Holland when I was 15. Um, um, so ik spreek een beetje Nederlands, <laughs> but I've forgotten quite a bit of it. And I, I think you can, if you look at the design yeah. of Duchess, you can look, you can see there's definitely like a Delft blue yeah. uh, royal inspiration. Yeah. So and and the word Dutch is got nothing to do with it. Actually, it does. So that's the name comes from um, the two ideas that that came up when we were brainstorming. Mm. Uh, the one is that, and I don't know if everyone knows that, but the gin actually comes from mm. Holland. Uh, so they call it. Connection, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so we we so we were thinking Dutch, Dutch, and then the second one is that the when Koning Willem uh, took over the UK or, or England at that stage, they actually brought gin to uh, Britain for the first time, and so we thought royalty. Dutch and then just Duchess and I think yeah. when when we thought Duchess it was just it sounded right it's got yeah. the right tone um, and um, yeah we just kind of ran with it mm. yeah it's a perfect fit and going forward have you got some great ideas that you can share um, I think we're, I think I'm sticking to two babies at the moment with yeah. Ranas and Duchess but we have exciting things we're launching mm. a new uh, Duchess flavor next month um, and I think that's going to do very well, um, and um, probably another um, another flavor early next year. Uh, and then, yeah, I want to continue working on non-alcoholic adult drinks. Mm. I think there's a massive opportunity in 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 that field, and and to rethink um, adult drinks as not only being with alcohol, but yeah. to to look at other other ways. Because there is only one other one that's rock shandy. 
Yes, exactly. And it's uh, uh, doesn't I mean, work. And I don't know if you saw that Castle launched the non-alcoholic beer. They did. And I haven't seen it. I've seen the adverts or the, or the, the posters. Yes. Um, and I, I was meeting with uh, Flair Beverages yesterday and they yes. say that the Erdinger non-alcoholic is flying in Cape Town. No, I'm sure it must do well. And that's why Devil Speaks also launched their non-alcoholic mm. IPA. So, so it's definitely not the... Um, the end of or we'll be seeing a lot mm. lot more uh, adult um, non-alcoholic drinks uh, but yeah we'll see it I'm very interested to see what people come up with mm. I mean that uh, Brewdog's got an IPA non-alcoholic IPA and I really enjoy that but it is very expensive yes obviously, obviously the imports and stuff and if you think about it the non-alcoholic you don't have to pay, pay the excise <laughs> so, so it should actually be, <laughs> be making it more competitive yeah yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's certainly an exciting industry, and uh, I like the innovation that's coming out of this office, and I really enjoy seeing seeing the creativity. I mean, um, so in terms of of maybe just in closing, in a brand like Brunners, um, going back. Uh, You said once that it hasn't really taken off in places like Stellenbosch and, and where traditionally, where, where is that working? So, uh, Branagh's Draft works on the East Rand yeah. <laughs> in Johannesburg. <laughs> Benoni Springs, Brackman. No, it actually, it is definitely, and I think part of the reason uh, I did uh, look for something like Duchess is uh, to have something that is scalable. Yeah. Uh, obviously, brandy and like we said earlier, brandy is actually picking up again mm. with a rise of five percent this year. But uh, brandy is a very South African thing, and especially mixing it mm. uh, with Coke. And um, as a startup brand, uh, which it still is in a, a field with uh, old giants like AWB and Distel, uh, we have to focus on the lowest hanging fruit. So I'm not saying that we won't take Branas um, to other parts of, and mm. we're actually in Durban now as well. Mm. We won't uh, focus on it, but it's just uh, for every one rand mm. you spend in Johannesburg, you make a lot more than you, mm. you, you do in other, in Cape Town or, or Durban. So, so I think that's the reason we've been focusing there. Um, and obviously, yeah, you, you, I don't know about taking Branas to the UK, mm. maybe at a few pubs mm. <laughs> with expats, but um, yeah, Branas is one of those things that just had to be done. Mm. It's a local favorite and hopefully it will continue to mm. be part uh, and have a growing fan base for years to come. Uh, but Duchess um, is something that I think can, can, can go anywhere yeah. in the world almost. So. Yeah. And it is kind of nice, I mean, for especially, I think, uh, the, the younger generation and aspirational not having to do the, the alcoholic beverages. Yeah. Exactly. Very nice. Um, it's been great talking to you. Thanks. And uh, we look forward to some creative and innovative um, things coming from you guys. Thank you, Olga. It's great <laughs> speaking to you. Thanks, Jonas. Sure.